0: Welcome to Plant Stories! The modern, the old, and the crazy in
1: between. Myth or fact! This one is just a guinea. Spanish moss. It's not a moss at all! In fact, it's a bromeliad, which is a term I just learned last week when we decided on our episode topic. <laughs> It, uh, it lives on trees and it even flowers and has seeds. Uh, you might know it as like the kind of beard-like thing that hangs off of plants in the south and kind of in the Mexico tropical area. Uh, yeah, not a moss at all. Not a moss.
0: It's accurate.-hmm.
1: So that brings us to our topic today of bromeliads.
0: Yes, bromeliads. Very popular (laughs) ornamental
1: plant.
0: Um, You know, bromeliads are one of those plants that have this almost like prehistoric look to them. I always see them in like movies or from like dinosaur times. Mm -hmm. That's a really stupid description of it. (laughs) A couple hundred million years ago. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. They have that very, like, you know, both, like, tropical and, like, ancient
1: kind of look to them. Mm -hmm. A lot of, like, spindly, like, interesting highlighted colors.
0: Yeah, almost, like, alien, Mm -hmm. basically, to us. And I think that's part of what makes them appealing as a houseplant is, like, this kind of, like, cute, strange, like, interesting thing. To have in your home, and, you know, of course like any type of plant there are a bajillion types. Mm. So, you know, as far as their kind of, like, history goes, bromeliads have been dated to, like, around 30 million years ago, as far as the fossils that they have, although it's mm. believed that possibly even before then um, they were there. <laughs> um, they mostly originate in Central America as, like, um, and then kind of like into South America, mm-hmm. kind of like, uh, you know, rainforesty like plants.
1: Mm-hmm. I think I saw there's one specific species of bromeliads in West Africa. Just one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of them are, cent- are centered there, and they kind of extend up into the southern United States, like yeah. kind of the Spanish moss. Um As far as being related to houseplants go, kind of the first bromeliads, like we already know from our history of houseplants, were brought back, you know, to Europe in the 18th century. Um, And they were just popular because they have really bright colors and they also have no particular season. Hmm. So as long as the, you know, conditions are right... They're not a seasonal plant. They pretty much stay the same all year long. And a lot of bromeliads, although not every single one, but a lot of them, um, only flower once in their life. Oh. So, you know, if you pick up a flowering plant from the store, oftentimes once it's done flowering, that will be it for the flower. Which doesn't mean the plant's going to die, just the flower part will be done. Um, And that's also when they tend to, like, reproduce as well. So um, a lot of them have these little offshoots to reproduce that they call pups. That's cute. (laughs) It is. It's cute. So, yeah, the little pups kind of, like, pop off. Um, You know, we have been using bromeliads for a while, um, primarily... Spanish moss, which Mm -hmm. now we use a lot, like, decoratively, so, um, as filler for the bottom of plants, they do really well, although they do need moisture, so in order to continue looking nice, they do need to be, like, misted with water. Mm -hmm. Um, also, it used to be used as a filler for automobile seats and mattresses, and um, it was even, like, crushed up and used in brick mortar even in like Hmm. very old American homes Um, even like insulation things like that so it's just the structure of it is very easy for that it comes in these like huge sheets yeah Um, and it's actually called Spanish Moss because you know a long time ago um, the French were making fun of the spanish basically by saying that it looked like a spanish man's
1: beard oh the conquistadors
0: but eventually it actually became like known as spanish moss or spanish beard is what some people even call it um but yeah it's actually a, a type of tillandsia and tillandsias are air plants so air plants are also again popular houseplant because they're epiphytic so they don't um they they live on another plant but they're not parasitic so they don't actually um take anything from the host plant
1: they're just attached yeah they're just loosely attached not like deep in within
0: <laughs> yeah and they're not they're not taking anything from the plant itself
1: mm-hmm.
0: they just are Sitting on it essentially, and oftentimes, in a lot of situations, they can you know even be helpful to the plant on which they host. So, how so? There are like some larger Talansias where they've done studies, um, they believe that they might help protect citrus trees because they host certain types of ants mm. that will attack predators, herbivores whoever gets <laughs> in the yeah. vicinity. And, uh, you know, in some other ways, they host, like, insects or, you know, small animals like tree frogs and things like that um, because they have certain varieties have, like, almost tanks attached to them where they hold water. Um, and so in that way they're able to kind of like provide these little habitats for other wildlife, um, which is really cool. And some of those symbiotic relationships in that way are Mm -hmm. very helpful to other plants or at the very least helpful to the environment in which those, you know, relationships exist. And um, air plants, they don't, people often think they don't need anything. They don't need soil, but they do need water. Almost all air plants and even some other plants that are kind of labeled as just vermilliads and are in dirt, They a lot of them still also take water uh, from the air, water moisture from the mm-hmm. air. And so, you know, even if you're watering one in dirt, a lot of them you water on the plant and then also in the dirt.
1: Yeah, because I guess you're thinking about like the way they would be getting water is from like fog and rain.
0: Right. Um, And some of them might be in like a soggier area, but a lot of them have roots that are more specifically made to anchor them to a spot Mm -hmm. or to anchor them even to each other, kind of like Spanish moss anchors it kind of like to itself and forms these like large sheets. Um, You know, in that same way, a lot of other plants in that family have roots more specifically to just attach to something else, but they don't have any real purpose as far as, like, getting water. Mm -hmm. Um, And they do want some light. They usually want like more bright diffuse light than necessarily direct sun, because if you're thinking about the environment that they're in... um,
1: It's under a tree canopy. Yeah, it's usually
0: under something or around Mm -hmm. something, so... In that way, that's kind of like what protects them from getting burnt since they have that kind of special um, absorbent structure on their leaves that allows them to take in the water. And then uh, probably the most famous bromeliad that we know of really is the pineapple.
1: The pineapple?
0: Yes. So, I mean...
1: So how is that a bromeliad?
0: Yeah. I guess
1: I don't know how pineapples grow. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um, Well, you know, the plant itself is kind of just like any other plant, but it's, and there are other bromeliads that have fruits. This is just the one that we eat.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, And it was also brought over, you know, in that same time, the 18th century, Supposedly by Christopher Columbus, who uh, was given one by natives. There's a story that, like, he was given the option by natives to either, like, eat another human being as <laughs> a participating cannibalism, hmm. or eat this fruit.
1: And he was like, you know,
0: I'll take the fruit.
1: I'll take the fruit.
0: <laughs> I'm <laughs>
1: sure he had never had either, so, you know. <laughs> we hope. We don't know, though. That's true. The pineapple was more for sure he hadn't had before. Lots of humans <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> exactly. Um, but, you know, it was kind of a hit
0: because this was during a time where sugar was still very expensive and, mm-hmm. you know, so in, not that other fruits don't have sweetness, but pineapple is very sweet. And they're big. Yeah. And so people were very impressed by them. and They became this, like, big symbol of You know, wealth. Mm.
1: To the point where... Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, to the point where people would actually, like, have pineapples shipped in, and they would rent pineapples to, like, middle-class people for events, (laughs) and you would use it as, like, an ornament in your home, and then when you were done with it, they would sell it to a rich person so that they could keep it. (laughs) Wow. And then, oftentimes, it even went without being eaten, because... You know, by the time you had it shipped over, somebody rented it, Mm -hmm. then somebody else had it. And then if you don't, you know, if you didn't eat it right away, it's like a showpiece. Yeah. (laughs) You know, so in the end, oftentimes they didn't get eaten. They just rotted out.
1: Yeah. And you see a lot of, at least I've noticed, I see a lot of pineapple iconography in, like statues and like you know like small sculptures I wonder if that's where that originated
0: you know it, it definitely became a symbol mm-hmm. it became a symbol of wealth there are definitely uh, in paintings like you would hold that as a yeah. it was like a gift that was given to you it was like important it was an important status symbol um, so they did, it did kind of become a symbol of that in in the one sense. Um, It also did kind of become a symbol of, like, hospitality as well, which uh, also has this kind of more ambiguous story that uh, sea captains used to put a pineapple on, like, a stake or, like, on their fence when they came home. And it was a sign that, like, you should come, and, like, they were back from their voyage. You should come visit and, you know, drink and be merry with them. Listen to all their dumb, boring stories about being on the ocean forever. Yeah. (laughs) No, that's probably not the ones I told. They probably made up some stuff about, like, fighting people somewhere, whatever, but...
1: um, If they find pineapples, I guess that's kind of, like, their sign of, like, we reached something and found the fruits of our trip. Yeah. Literally. (laughs) Um, So some people hypothesize
0: that that's where kind of that pineapples as this like symbol of hospitality um, came from. And so, you know, pineapples are also not in any way related to apples, which makes sense because they're (laughs) a bromeliad plant. Yep. Um, But apples was kind of just a word that... (laughs) Uh, English people at that time used for any foreign fruit. Oh. So the pineapple was the pine apple because it looked like a pine cone, kind it does, of. it does. So, <laughs> but anytime they found a fruit, like a foreign fruit, it was like something apple. They, pineapple ended up sticking. Nobody could think of a different name for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... Now we eat them in a lot of stuff. Um, pineapples contain vermilion, which makes sense. <laughs> but kind of the interesting thing about vermilion is that um, it breaks down protein. So being that it breaks down protein, it, you can use it as like a meat tenderizer. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people use it as a way to uh, kind of like subdue inflammation like they suggest. You drink it when you have a cold or something um, and it can help like thin out mucus and stuff like that. More recently, uh, bromeliads have become a just very popular ornamental plant, especially for like lawns in a lot of um, southern or coastal places because uh, they don't really require that much attention. You can oftentimes water them. They're used to going without water for a while where they're relatively, like, tolerant. They're not drought tolerant, I would say, but they don't need a whole bunch of care. So, uh, but there have been instances, like, more recently when we were talking about, like, Zika virus. Um, they actually pulled out a whole bunch of vermiliads in uh, like Miami, Florida, and a couple of other places, because it was shown that the tanks were a place for mosquitoes to breed. Oh! <laughs> so people oh. were very, very upset because their bromeliad plants and all these places were just like empty. And they just ripped them all
1: out of the ground, basically. Because yeah, they were of them. mosquito habitats.
0: Well, you know, the study originally showed they basically, like, the local Miami University had done a study. They found that the same mosquitoes that carried Zika were present in the tanks of these vermiliads, And then... So when you're saying tank, what, what do you mean? So kind of like at the base, middle of the plant, sometimes where, like, the flower... Is okay. or oftentimes what the flower is. It's just like an area that holds water. There's space for water to be. Okay. It's not quite the same as, you know, like <laughs> a tank tank, mm-hmm. but it's a small core that can hold that water um, and y- does use it, utilize it for the plant. Um, but yeah, so they were, the mosquitoes were found that carries you get in those... Tanks and they were trying to find ways to control that population. And there were other suggestions made about how you know you might possibly do that, (laughs) but instead, the cheapest option really is to just get rid of them, get rid of them, yeah. And that also upset you know a lot of the growers because not only do those plants thrive in those places, but you know, that's also some of the places where they're grown in greenhouses and things like that. That was an interesting, more recent reason you would have seen bromeliads on the news. And then more recently, the largest air plant in the world, which is local really to only like three spots in the Andes. Uh, they're not very genetically diverse, so there's a lot of worry that um, as climates change, they're going to Perish, but they are ginormous. Um, oftentimes they're over 30 feet tall. And they are considered terrestrial bromeliads. Because they don't attach to other plants. They have to ground themselves because they're so big. Mm-hmm. So they do actually have roots, although not necessarily... Just anchors. Yeah, just like much larger anchors. But they pretty much would... Just destroy anything they attach to, otherwise, because they're so big.
1: 30 feet tall. Yeah. I guess I could assume they're probably a similar <laughs> width as well. Um, they're mostly
0: like tall. They're called, uh, Puya Raimundi. Okay. <laughs> probably not saying that right, but. <laughs> it was a good attempt. Um, and. So what do they look like? So they're like these, if you've ever seen an air plant, mm-hmm. it's like that, but multiplied many, many times. So like they have a lot of the, you know, leaves that we know of that kind of like spindle out
1: mm-hmm.
0: and it's not spiky as in like pointy, but it has a
1: lot of those leaves and it's just huge. So it looks like a whole bunch of them. Some of them really big kind of idea. Not just like one huge one. <laughs> yes. Okay, <Yeah>. okay.
0: <laughs> like a lot. Almost like you put a lot of small ones together. Mm. But not quite. Um, but that particular plant, um, they had one at UC Berkeley
1: um, that bloomed this past year. Was that Was that its one bloom?
0: Yeah, so these particular plants, they know to only be, like, in their 20s. Um, They have a few specimens there that they're able to grow. Um, But they have bloomed at, you know, this early stage. And typically, from what they know, although admittedly they haven't seen... Or been able to record very many of the blooms they um, usually bloom between 80 and a hundred years old oh super early yeah so it's pretty you know it there's probably some environmental reason um, and at UC Berkeley they're not necessarily in you know their original habitat so there could be something in that environment that was. Kind of forcing them to bloom, where are they originally from uh, the andes they're called the their regular name is or you know their not regular name
1: non latin
0: <laughs> yeah their non latin name is queen of the Andes oh, that's pretty, yeah, and they have kind of like three specific areas that they um grow in just like the three known populations mm-hmm. um and yeah, they definitely are worried that they will struggle in the future to adapt to um, different climates because they're a little bit picky.
1: Mm. I feel like, though, out of all of the... Is this a family of plants, the bromeliads? Mm-hmm. Out of all the families, I feel like these might have the best opportunity because they can <laughs> just kind of anchor somewhere and be like, all right, particles, let's do this. <laughs> It's true, but they also do
0: need a fair amount of moisture. Like, they'll take whatever they can get from the air, but anybody who's ever tried to take care of an airplane will tell you Mm -hmm. that they die. Mm. (laughs) Gotcha. Um, And it can be easy to, you know, over or underwater them because they both need the humidity or they... You know, but too much of it, if anything gets trapped in it, it very easily dies, so... Um... They are, like, relatively hardy, you know, and the fact that they're usually pretty strong plants... I mean, I've had one, and I... You would shake it so hard just to, like, get any access to water off or whatever, and, um it would be fine. (laughs) Yeah, Like I'm like throwing it around.
1: Not a lot of plants you can do that with. Yeah. Mini tip.
0: Uh, My best advice with air plants is the humidity of your home is very important in how you care for them. So with some other plants, like the humidity is a little bit more flexible because you are physically watering it. So even though the soil might dry out a little bit quicker or whatever, once you get into that rhythm with your plant, you'll know when it needs water and you can adjust for that. Um, With air plants, they will dry out and you won't know because they don't have any soil that way. And so, you know, knowing how humid your home is can help you decide whether or not you want to mist them or you want to soak them. Um, or, you know, however you decide you want to care for them. What is our next episode going to be about? So our next episode is going to be about succulents. Succulents.
1: Succulents, the popular trendy plant. They are very popular. I have... that. I think I have seven in my house. <laughs> <I got laughs> a lot of people one. have succulents.
0: <laughs> I mean, I have succulents too, but their succulents are a very interesting group of plants, and we'll have a lot to talk about. I think.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for joining us on our wonderful episode about bromeliads. We will see you next week to talk about succulents.